You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. Hey everyone, it's Robert here. Be sure to check out SkeletonOptics.com to pick up your pair of Italian frames and Carl Zeiss lens using the code MENTORS4MIL. the number four MIL. You'll receive 10% off the final price. During this episode today, I'm joined by Casey Finnegan as well as Jason Dickinson. Both of these guys were Special Forces officers in the Army, and we thought we'd hit the topic of uh, sharing some battlefield stories on how to make and not make the best decisions. So sit back, relax, and get ready to enjoy another episode of Mentors for Military. So earlier in the week, Jason and I were actually texting one another and talking about data and the importance of data and intel. And for me, as far as, you know, in the military, of course, intelligence is always something that we use in order to gather information and make good business decisions as a military leader. But in the private sector, you find the same is true. And especially as I became more of a an executive leader in the private sector and, and now as a management consultant and helping other leaders identify the importance of data and how the data can speak to you and tell you a lot of information about how your business is driving, perhaps how your customer experience is occurring, um, all kinds of great feedback. So a business leader can make decisions that hopefully impact it in a positive way. And... So I think the same is very much true as we start talking about those who listen to the podcast who may be still in the military and trying to figure out, okay, what what is the best way to parse through the information, and especially in a combat situation in a, in a quick manner, to be able to make the right decisions on the battlefield? Initially, every time we Robert and I talk, I always defer to um, what not to do first before explaining kind of like the right way. I don't know why my brain is hardwired that way. I always like <laughs> I, it's just how I live. So, um, you know, when we initially started talking about this, I'm thinking of more from a military perspective, especially someone that is going to become a leader. You know, how do you make tough decisions, um, and and what kind of information do you need to to make to make those decisions? I think in the Army anyway, at least from my experience, um, we are hardwired and told from day one, it's better to make a decision than not make one at all, right? It makes sense, you know, so they'd rather have you act than sit back and do nothing. And, you know, and I think a lot of times they they use that, um, you know, that kind of that cliche scenario where it's like Tom Hanks is on the beach. He's getting shot up and and you got that soldier that walks up to him and asks him what to do, sir. You know, like, what what do we do next? Which is like you know hilarious. Like you know that Joe knows exactly what to do. Like get the hell off the beach, right? Like he's not gonna ask anybody, right? But but that's the scenario they always tell us. Like hey, act, right? Make a decision. Well, I think it's important to talk first about when it's not a good time to make a decision, and it's usually because two things: one, you don't have enough background information to make the best decision at the time, and then two, there's no real reason to make that decision in that second. So I think a lot of times. You know, in the Army, we get wrapped up with the time standard of it all. Well, hey, i got to make a decision or else it's going to look like I'm, I'm not being a leader. Um, and I've got, you know, one really crazy example. Um, this was back in 2008 in Iraq. Um, my unit, my battalion, was looking at Iraqi checkpoints in our area. Just kind of spot checking them from the sky using an ISR platform. And then we're looking at the feed, you know, counting how many, how many uh, Iraqis they have on guard. And all of a sudden... The feed goes white, and we're looking, we're like, holy crap, what just happened? And the whole place just exploded. And so for us, we were in Mosul at the time, and there was a lot of suicide bombers. So for me, it was like instantaneous, somebody clocked himself off, right? Um, so we started calling the company 
that own that battle space, like, hey, what the hell just happened? And they're like, we don't know, we're checking on it. So we called higher to inform them that, hey, something happened, we just lost a checkpoint, we're gonna go check it out. Well, higher told us that they, in fact, dropped a bomb. And so we're sitting there like, okay, so no one, no one called and asked the battle space owner you know, to clear fires or any of that, they were using an ISR platform. And so let's let's talk about the information or the intelligence they had at the time. A live feed of a guy with an AK-47 at night standing next to a warming fire on a road. Like that was the amount of information that they had when they made that decision. You know, and I'm not going to go into the whole like who made the call or whatever, but just, I mean, right. boiling it down to like making a decision, how much information you have. So I, you know, ask yourself, was this a timely decision that needed to be made? Was anyone under in contact at the moment? No, no friendlies could have possibly, you know, been hurt by us not acting. Um, in fact, it was the other way around. Like, I don't even, I don't know if they, I know they didn't check and ask where our, our, our guys were because we would have told them. Um, and then the, the discussion would have been had that, hey, we're about to drop a bomb in your area kind of thing. So, right. That would have been nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's one, it's one of those things where, you know, the discussion would have would have stopped this from happening from, you know, from Jump Street. But again, I think we are conditioned in the military that it's better to act. And so a guy sitting in a talk saw a weapon and, you know, declared hostile intent and dropped a bomb on. This is 2008. It's not like invasion time and you see a guy with, uh, with an AK-47. Everyone in that country was allowed to have an AK-47. It was not... You know, right. it wasn't weird to see that, you know, that signature. Yeah. But for, for whatever reason, that decision was made. So, like, I think for me, the takeaway, the takeaway for anyone, whether you're in the business, private sector or in the military is, you know, ask yourself, does this decision need to be made right now with the information that you have? Um, if the answer is no, it doesn't need to be made in the second and you have time, go seek out further information. Try to, you know, refine the data that you have, the data points that you have to kind of make that decision. Um, so I just kind of throw that out as a, a starting example of, um, you know, what not to do when you don't have all the information or, or you, you might think you have all the information, but it turns out you don't. You know, again, final point on that is, do you need to make the decision right, right now? now? Yeah. If yes, right. act. If no, gather more information. That's kind right. of what, you know. Yeah, I, it's funny because I was going to give an example or some examples from Iraq back in 03 when it really felt like the wild, wild west um, in terms of we, you know, we were over there. You're at the time I was a young platoon leader, um, but I think even as an army, we were sort of figuring it out. You know, I was in a mechanized infantry unit at the time. Um, you know, you keep sort of pushing up from Kuwait. We got assigned our sectors. We're moving around to all these different towns. No shots were even being fired at that point. The Iraqis loved us, um, but you're just you, you're just trying to figure it all out, right? And in combat, when you're when you're forced to make decisions without, well, I say forced when you're when you feel like you need to make the decision uh, immediately, as you said, and you do. I mean, ultimately, you can you can get somebody killed, and that's you know that's a scary position to be in as a 22 or 23 year old lieutenant or a you know, a 25-year-old squad leader, you don't you don't want to be in that spot. Um, but at, you know, as as that deployment wore on, we were you had to sort of go out. We you had to go patrol. You had to go do things that weren't necessarily you know driven by intel. You had to go out and find find out on the ground for yourself what was going on because that was that was the time uh, and that was the the. The reality of, of the of the of the war at that time. So it was it was interesting because as I 
as you guys sort of sent me this information, what, what we wanted to talk about is like, and now we're teaching guys about, you know, key leadership engagement stuff, village stability ops, all these things that guys are actually going and getting some training before deployments. We sort of were doing that without, we didn't know what the hell we were doing, but we were right. doing it, you know. Right. You're going to see, you're going to see the police chief. You're going to see the guy who runs the power plant. You're going to see the, the village elders, all of these things. And that entire time, you're, you're gathering intel, you're gathering data, you're trying to figure out and shape you know, the, the area of operations that you guys are actually assigned to. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you have imperfect data and it's in a combat situation, you definitely want to try, you know, the best you can to, to gather as much as information as you can to make that intelligent decision because ultimately guys can get hurt if you know them. So it's, it's, it's a tough one. I'll tie it back even to the private sector. I mean, you just you kind of laid out, Jason, a decision tree, you know, when when to make a decision on something. But even in the private sector, if you put bad quality within applications or your processes, you're going to get bad data out. So it, you're only as good as the intel that you have or only as good as the detail or the uh, data that you have in the very beginning. Yeah, and actually that's uh, – I'll kind of – Perfect segue into, all right, so now we identified maybe you don't want to make a decision because you don't have all the information. So how do you gather the right kind of information to make a decision? Um, and I've got a, a pretty, pretty good story on that, too, where um, on my second deployment, we were going to be working in Baghdad. So we did our entire train up for that year, getting ready for that deployment to go to Baghdad. Right? We knew we were going. I get there. Within a week, we're changed. Hey, you're going to go to Mosul. And so okay. now I'm like, okay. So what the information I did know is no longer valid. Now I need to gather new information, right? And so I'm a company XO at this time. Um, I had combat experience as a platoon leader. Um, none of the platoon leaders did at that time. So I was definitely, um, you know, one of the guys along with the company commander and first sergeant. We were in the same team of guys that were on the previous deployment together. So um, it was our job to kind of get these guys spun up as rapidly as possible to what we're about to do. And so you, you just don't know what information is, is important yet. And so my theory on that is collect all the information you possibly can. Over the long period of time, um, the right pieces of information will jump out at you, and then you realize what's important, what's not important. So for us, um, you know, we were getting, I would read the SIGACs, right? So SIGACs are just the significant activity reports of whatever happens that day. And so we're reading about the unit we're going to replace. Um, they're up there, and let's say, um, you know, there's uh, an RPG was fired at a vehicle, um, no casualties. We were at this location, it was usually an eight-digit grid, um, and it was at this time of day. And so the SIGX, from my point of view, were incomplete information at best, maybe 50%. They never explained what the friendly force looked like or what they were doing. It was just the enemy's um, activity and reaction. So I realized, like, this is not going to work. So what I did, I kind of put together a little template, and every time my guys would get into contact, I would interview them when they got back. It was a face-to-face -face debrief, and I literally brought out all the pieces of information. And when they didn't have a piece of information that was critical, I told them, hey, next time, make sure you get this piece of information. And I was able to talk to them on the radio a lot of times before they, they got off the, the X and tell them, hey, make sure you have this, this, and this before you come back. Um, and I didn't know what was important yet. And so I had a list of questions. And those questions were, you know, were was the enemy attacking certain types of vehicles? Or was it more of like the, posi the position, the order of movement? Was it the first vehicle? the last vehicle if it was the first vehicle why the first vehicle kind of thing and i kept you know just a litany of questions were they targeting the leadership 
Um, was it certain weather that was favoring them? You know, what was the weather like that day? Just right. some basic, basic stuff. Um, was there ISR close air support in the air uh, at the time of that attack? Was that a deterrent if they could hear rotary wing flying kind of thing? So I'm just literally writing down everything I possibly could. Yeah. And the, in the interesting thing was um, in the beginning, like I said, I didn't know what was important. So I took everything really quickly. Certain things started to jump out at us and we were able to see patterns. So I don't know, Robert, like what? What's your take on like how many times does something have to happen before it becomes considered a pattern? Like yeah. Well, you know, and typically it just depends on the, the amount of data that you're looking at. You're trying to take a sample size, and it's usually a random sample size. And when you're looking at that, you're looking for um, things that are somewhat anomalies, but you're also trying to see if there's a cluster of those that may be mm -hmm. occurring. So there's really no right or wrong answer. But if you start seeing a pattern that's consistent that doesn't look like an outlier, then that's what you're trying to hone in on. Right. And that's what it sounds right. like you guys were doing there. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, a real quick example. Um, so, one of our, uh, I was a mechanized infantry guy as well. So, one of our units, um, they had, I think, four Bradleys out there, and uh, they got an RPG shot at them. So, we gathered key pieces of information, it was, and it was 10 digit grids. I'll come back to why this is really important later, but 10 digit grids to the, the, the unit that was attacked, to the vehicle, the specific vehicle that it was attacked, where it was, and then also where the, where the attack emanated from. So, 10 digit grid to that. After two attacks, we, and this was maybe over a span of a week, week and a half, um, I noticed that they were firing RPGs at 120 to 135 meters away. And so now with that information, because I didn't know what was going to be important at the time, what I did was I ran, I reran the same play. So I made that platoon look exactly the same. We did it on the exact same day of the week, same wow. time, did the exact same actions, and I put them in the exact same spot. But I told them this time, only look at the roads, the intersections of the alleys that are between 100 and 150 meters. Throw out everything else. Those are the only things to focus on. And sure enough, they saw a guy poke his head around the corner. And then the next time he came around the corner, he was taking a knee to take a shot with an RPG. Only this time we had 762 leaving the Bradley and, and meeting him before he got to, to his firing position. Um, so it was one of those things where I didn't know what was important at that time. So gather every piece of information and then you'll start to see trends kind of come out from that. Right. And then you can use those trends to make decisions before you ever have to fire a shot. So the decision we made was to run the same play on them. You know, they liked attacking that, that specific set. I don't know why they liked attacking it at that moment, but hey, let's give them the exact same look. Only this time it's a baited ambush. I'm waiting them, for them to come to me. Um, and I'm using that data to, you know, again, make a, make a decision beforehand. So all the decisions were already pre-made. We knew what we were going to do that day. It was not a, oh, shit, someone's shooting at us, um, you know. And then for it makes everything easier later on with, like, reports, radio calls, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, you know, the enemy, and this is probably the same in business, too, the more actions you have, the more opportunity you have to gather data, and the quicker you, you learn uh, what is important, what isn't important. And so one of the things that we noticed very early on, this was during our, our rip. So in the first two weeks, um, one of the uh, the unit that we were ripping out with had four Humvees, and they were driving down the road, and the and the trail vehicle had an engine malfunction, had a problem, right? And so the three vehicles kept going for a couple hundred meters until they realized the fourth vehicle was, you know, just had an engine problem. So the first two vehicles stayed where they were. The third vehicle went back to tow the fourth vehicle and bring it back up to the, the formation of, of all four Humvees. Um, on the way back, that Humvee was attacked with an IED. So I learned something really quick from that interaction. One, those IEDs were already in place. Uh, that unit drove over that specific IED three times in that scenario. 
And on the third time, they were attacked. And so the real big takeaway for me at that moment, and this was the first two weeks, again, um, they will attack you if you show your hand and, and explain exactly where you're going to go, right? If the enemy knows your next movement, they just immediately went up to wherever that IED was already pre-placed and just waited for you to come across it again. Um, so with that, with those key pieces of information, um, and every time they, they attacked us, I was able to gather more and more information, more and more data points. And it was a volume of data that was actually tough in the beginning. So, you know, I didn't, I wasn't running it through computer systems that were going to help me figure out what was going on. It was just me looking at all the pieces of data over time, trends over a month. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example of how, how um, detail-oriented I was with this. I had a stopwatch going, like I was like an NFL scout looking at the next team we're gonna we're gonna face. Yeah, yeah, I was just so getting ready to use it. Yeah, I, I sat there in in the talk with a with a stopwatch, and every time one of my patrols made a made a move off of the main main avenues approach, so the big roads into the neighborhood, I started the stopwatch, and I kept track of how long it took the enemy to um, to put an attack on. And over time, you know, the numbers don't mean anything, but really quickly, I, what we found was. In all of the neighborhoods in our AO, it took them about 45 minutes to put an attack on one of our, our units, except this one spot. And I had it down between 12, I'll never forget this, it was 12 minutes and 34 seconds was the very first attack. And the, the slowest attack they ever got on us in that area was 15 minutes and like 20 something seconds. So if you're in this one spot, within 12 to 15 minutes, you will be attacked. Everywhere else, it was 45 minutes. You know, And that piece of information allowed us to make quick decisions. So if the if the stack wasn't in our favor that day, let's say it was bad air and we didn't have rotary wing support or ISR was down, you know, I knew that don't go in that one little part of town because you only have 12 to 15 minutes for your attack. Or two, if you are going to go in that part of town and you don't want to fight that day, move after 10. Um, and they won't be able to kind of put an attack on you. If you're in the other parts of the neighborhood, move after 40 minutes because it takes them 45 uh, to to line up an attack on you. So again, when we're talking about data and intel, it doesn't matter if you're you know, a private corporation or in the military. Um, if you're new, you don't know what's important, so gather it all, and at some point you'll realize what is important, and then you can just use that, that data to make really smart, targeted decisions. Um, and, and we're playing life and death in the Army. You know, um, Life and death in the civilian world is you just lost your business, right. and now you're out of a job. You know, it's still very significant, but um, you know, that data is the difference between a soldier losing their life or or not, you know, in many situations. Yeah. So that's kind of my, my take on it. It's funny when you mentioned football, because actually the first thing that popped to my head was when you start thinking about how coaches evaluate the teams that they're going to play and they may actually see on film things that trigger them to run a formation. Uh, one time in a play that may they know may not only go but three or four yards, five yards, they may get lucky in the situation, but it's not that play that's important. It's the play that they're going to use the same formation at five, seven plays later once the defense gets lulled into it, and the defense is automatically going to assume that the offense is going to run the exact same play, and that's when you run a different uh, set. And the same things for defense when they end up using stunts. And so it, football, that kind of analogy in, in, in looking at it is the same thing. You're trying to assess the situation. You're trying to see how the information will work. And in your case, in combat, you are kind of using a coach play and how you were mm -hmm. defining things. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of things that jumped out at me, and it's, it's very similar uh, experience when I was in Iraq is, I mean, the one thing that you said is don't don't discount any data point. Don't discount any intel, uh, and that that's so true because you just in the beginning you don't know you don't know what you don't know. 
So, so take it all in, write it all down, account for all of it. And then what, what Jason obviously did very well and what, what a lot of uh, units are doing very well now is you've you got to conduct that analysis. So a bunch of data doesn't mean anything if you don't analyze it, if you don't take the time to figure out what does it all mean. And if you can get down into the weeds to the level, you know, that, that Jason was talking about, then you're, you're, you can do, you know, you can run the same play five times and then on the sixth play you can thump them. Um, and that's, that's incredible to be able to do, but it does, it takes that concerted effort. It takes that planning and it takes the, the, the last piece which jumped out at me. And this is something that, that ultimately you're training, you are training your soldiers, maybe not even deliberately, but you are training your soldiers to, to gather the right intel on every one of those operations. And it might've just been the, the repetitive nature of asking them the same questions, but I guarantee by the third or fourth, you know, patrol that they went on, they knew exactly what to come back and tell you. And, and that makes your job easier, it makes the analysis easier, and it makes the ability to, as a, as a commander, as a mission commander, to run the right play, to, to, to be able to actually react and, I gotta, and put something in place. I gotta believe too that the, the commander on the ground, having been in that type of situation that you described and seeing it in uh, maybe in multiple occasions, the next time they run into that type of ambush situation, they see visually beforehand what's getting ready to happen to make the adjustments necessary because they've either heard it from other team players or they've been a part of it in the past so they automatically know okay if i see this posture then this is what i do it's, it's a, it becomes a reaction which is exactly what you want i mm -hmm. i think you're spot on casey you, you end up training them without them even realizing it and that's even in the private sector you're really trying to train your leaders to think and see those types of things <coughs> To be, you know, more proact or proactive instead of reactive, and that's that's kind of what we're talking about here as well. Yeah. So, you know, Robert, you said something earlier. It was um, when we first started. It was about bad information in. You're going to make bad decisions later on, right? If you're not gathering the right information and you're not being um, specific and, and detail oriented about it, you're not going to be able to make uh, the best educated decision you possibly can. And I'll give you a great example of uh, again going back to this this one deployment. Um, you know, I like going back to the military stuff, but uh, I have civilian examples of all of this as well. I'm actually doing doing much of this stuff right now as we speak. Um, but from the military perspective, because I know we have a lot of listeners from you know from the military, um, I, I would lose my mind when people would send in eight-digit grids, and this is why we live in a, in a day and age where you have a GPS that has all ten digits. Provide all fucking ten digits, like it's. <laughs> Yeah. Like you're just being lazy. Like it's not like you're sitting yeah. there with a one over fifty thousand map, and you're sitting there with right. a you know, yeah. you know, trying to actually like the old days. Yeah, with a protractor. You know? Yeah, exactly. Right. So, right. so if you're if you're going to be lazy enough to not gather that information that's already done for you, you're just sending two more digits. Um, you're not gathering all the information. And again, we'll go back to that one deployment, and we'll talk about IEDs now. Um, I was. I had a great time on that deployment killing IED emplacers, and it was because I used this thing called the 10-digit grid, and it was really phenomenal, um, and I can't speak how highly <laughs> this, this system is, right? And so this is what I would do. Every time it's your term ID, now. Coin that term. Yeah, so <laughs> every time there's an IED, I would figure out exactly where it was, 10-digit grid, and then what I would do is I'd, I'd make a box. So if it's a north-south running road, the very southern IED to the very northern IED was the IED corridor that they liked using. Um, in some cases, they were pretty long, you know, maybe three, four hundred meters. In some cases, they weren't. I saw one in another company's AO where it was, we had it down to 27 meters. 27 meters difference between the, the most northern and most southern, right? Or the most left or most right. 
So this is what I used to do. And I, I used to tell people all the, all the time, man, PowerPoint's awesome. You can kill a lot of people with PowerPoint. And this is how I would do it. I would take a screenshot of the, the satellite imagery and I would plot the, the IEDs that happened. And I would go call the, the Kiowa unit that was right down the road. Like, hey, you guys want to kill someone tonight? I'm like, hey, fly this. Like, I want you to stay in this part of the area uh, away from this, this road. But look at this road. Only look between these meters, the, these two spots, between this time window. And if you see something in that time window, call us. Let us know. And we'll look at it through ISR. And sure enough, we'd see a guy in that, in that window using the signature, digging, um, and we'd end up blowing him up. And if it was outside of that box and it wasn't in that time, we wouldn't act on it because it wasn't part of the pattern, right? If you're only doing the eight-digit grids um, or your your six or whatever, if you're not gathering that the most detailed aspect of that information, you're missing an ability to make timely um, and accurate decisions that are going to affect, you know, whether it be the battlefield or your business later on. So I see people, it's crap in, crap out. So if you if you gather bad data, you're going to make bad business decisions. If you spend the time, go the extra mile, and get every single piece of detail as much as you can out of it feed that into your system, you're going to make, you're going to make accurate decisions. Yeah. Kind of, you know, in the business world, we tend to look at it as leading and lagging indicators as well. So you were looking at things that would be leading indicators to head off a potential problem later on where too many people focus on the lagging indicators and trying to figure out how can we fix what's in our face at the moment? Well, you're not, you're not being proactive again. You're not, you're not analyzing the situation deeply enough to start looking at the things that you can head off in the very beginning. That's mm -hmm. much, much harder to focus people to do that. Yeah, and, and for us, um, you know, I, I was blown away that other people and other units wouldn't do this because I would show them exactly how I would do it, um, you know, in our own. And I'd have my guys, my um, entry guys, want to go into another company's AO uh, because the target is just so juicy. They're like, come on, man, look, it's right there. Like, we can go get it right now. I'm like, I know, but it's not our spot. Like, I, I'll pass off the info, but, you know, if you're not willing to do and, – and I'm I'm not talking about the long hours that it went sitting – and basically, if you think about, you know, uh, you're in a hunting stand, you know, sitting there waiting for a deer to come by, I'll, that's kind of what it was, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking long hours of nothing happening. But the guys understood that the, the info that we had was, was good. And if you did it enough times, we're going to see the benefits from it. And sure. so down to the, the private, you know, on the, on the ground, you know, that guy knew that this was going to pay off in the long run and so that they were in um they were in the long run to do that and and so for us one of the things we would do i used to love when route clearance would go find an ied and detonate it or or, or pick it up i used to love it because i knew exactly what was going to happen within the next two days someone's going to replant that ied in the exact same spot so guess what i did every night for the next couple of days i'd wait and sure enough every you know give them a couple of days in that tight little window you'll get them but again it's just that it's that detail and you got to and kind of what Robert, what you were talking about um, on the business side, you have to sell your team on the importance of that that information. Right. And if they can't see why it's important, they're not going to give you the that detailed information. Um, you know. So it's 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 a cultural thing as much as anything. You know. You got to you got to condition your organization to be detail oriented and gathering information so that you can make those timely decisions and take advantage of situations. That's really what we're talking about. You're either you're either heading off something bad that can happen to you or your business. Or you're looking for changes in the market where you can you can take advantage of, uh, you know, and that's kind of what I'm looking at now uh, in, in my civilian side of the house. Yeah, I think for me on the civilian side, running uh, a gym over here in Dubai, uh, one of the things I'm doing over here is very much data driven. 
it's interesting because you know it's pretty easy to do that in 2017. Everything's sort of on the computer. Everything's in your on your phone. It's an app, whatever. But it, the, to the cultural side, with my trainers and my general manager and everybody else, it's you know it, it's developing that culture within our gym. So when when I'm onboarding a new client. That sheet that we're using is is a guide, and really it's about sitting down with that person, finding out as much information as you can, because back to what our examples in the military, I don't know what I don't know about this person. And it might just be two months into their membership, I talk to them about, you know, that last five pounds of the baby weight that they want to lose. Something something insignificant probably to me, but that's why they sign up for another membership and that's money in my pocket and the business grows and everything else. So on the civilian side, it's, it's just so important and all of the same rules and all the same lessons apply and, and the more processes and things that you can have in place for, for whatever business you're doing is going to ultimately make you more successful. You know, in the civilian side, we tend to look at it, if you're doing it correctly from a leading indicator standpoint, you call it a uh, manager's dashboard. So on a dashboard, you can set it up however you want, but you try to identify those steps that are most critical to quality, and that means that the customer defines as that thing that they want to pay for, whatever it may be, may be a service or product or whatever. So if you're thinking about focusing on quality, obviously within the dashboard, you're going to gather the metrics that are going to be most important. And so, you know, we talk about PowerPoint. You can do death by a PowerPoint where you can analyze data to the nth degree, and trust me, data can also be presented in a way that'll tell you how, whatever story you're wanting to tell. You know, I've had so many leaders come to me and say, well, can we pull this out of the data? Do we, uh, do we think we can tell this story? Well, yeah, I can tell whatever story you want. You want a positive? You want a negative? What do you want to do? You know, But the truth right. of the matter is, what are we going to focus on the most to deliver the quality product to the customer? And let's put that in a dashboard where the manager can look at it on a daily, weekly, biweekly basis and be able to evaluate their team's efforts towards delivering what the goods at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think ultimately one of the things that are it's probably been on several of your podcasts, but ultimately it boils down to leadership in the end. All of the data all of the intel, anything that you're that you're working with, um, and, and sort of back to our original point of operating with imperfect intel, sometimes you have to do that in combat, certainly not in combat. Out of the military, you're going to do it every day. But that's where the, you know, the art of leadership uh, sort of jumps into play. And, and you can know something that 80%, you know, you know it's imperfect. You know, maybe you're operating at 50% information, but moving forward is important at that point for your business. Moving forward is important for that point for, for the patrol you're on. And as you move forward, as, you know, activity is occurring, you know, you're gathering more intel, but you're, you're just leading your men, you're leading your organization. I think you can't get trapped by imperfect information either. You know, the, the, the leadership side will step in and you have to keep moving. Yeah, and I also like um, I um, you guys are kind of pinging on something I'm I'm been really thinking about, and I kind of posed that question earlier. Like, when is when does something become a pattern, right? Like, how many times does it have to happen before it's a repeatable pattern? And so, in the business world, you know, I'm trying to think. I, I you know I've been reading different books, and and someone was it was an awesome chapter about just understanding the numbers of your business, right? If you are gathering all the data points possible, and you truly have, and this guy advocated not using a computer system to churn out numbers. 
you know, if it's a business, use a calculator and a pad of paper and get to know those numbers, right? Get to know that data because it's on, you know, and once you have that, that like visceral connection with the numbers, you'll be able to make decisions that other people just can't understand how you saw that trend happening so early on or able to pivot the company or, or do something in a way where, you know, you can take that business to the next level. You know, so that was something that, you know, when I asked, like, how many times does it take to be a pattern? Well, I was gathering in that, back on that trip in Iraq, I was, when I was gathering every single piece of information, I could take one scenario, one situation, and I had enough information there to turn it into a pattern and then use that pattern yeah. for my own, my own benefit. So, you know, like, like that RPG guy that liked to shoot, um, I gave him the exact same look, right? I created the pattern. It only, you know, it happened twice. And it's really hard to say something's a pattern if it happens twice. Well, I made it happen a third time by giving them the exact same play and the exact same look. You can only do that if you truly understand all of the pieces of data that you are collecting. Um, so I think it's really important that you are, especially on the civilian side, you know, you're looking at your company's numbers, your business, have a true understanding of, of everything that's going on. Collect it all at first, and you'll figure out as the time goes on what's really important. And in this book, it was really, really um it was awesome. He had this one chapter and he would say like this one restaurant owner could tell how much money he was going to make that night based on how long the wait time was for a table at eight o'clock on a Friday. Like that's how much that guy understood his numbers and yeah, his pattern. That's great. And, you know, and if you have that connection, you know, with your business and your numbers, you're able to make those decisions um, that are going to better the business. And everyone else out there that isn't doing that, they're basically just flying blind and maybe they get lucky, maybe they don't. And the, and the unfortunate part you know, in the military, if we make a bad call, our, our feedback loop is really quick, right? Right. Like, if I make a bad call, unfortunately, I'm going to find out immediately that, you know, I got somebody killed. In a business, if I make a bad call, it might go months, it might go years, you know, slow bleed of, of revenue, let's say, or something, you know, right. internal to the business, you know, and your business will die maybe three, four years from now, but um, it's it's based off of something that's happening right now. Well, and typically, even in the private sector, you typically, if you're if you're paying attention, again, to the leading indicators or paying attention to the data at all, you're going to identify that bad mistake that you made a month ago, six months ago, and you have still the opportunity to turn it around. To your point, in the military, you use an 80-20 role and you think you're going with a good gut decision, well, that could very well end up being a bad decision. A bad decision means a life. So it's a much different situation. I can't tell you how many times within the private sector I've had to tell leaders, well, and even subordinates, that there's nothing that we're going to do today unless you're in a first rep responder situation, unless you're out there, you know, this it's a life or death, you're a physician or something like that, where it's really going to be a life or death situation. I'm sorry, it's just mm -hmm. not, you know. Shareholder value, I get it. I understand it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's not the same. Let's put it into perspective. Let's take the time to analyze the information. Let's make the right decisions here. And, uh, you know, and being a Six Sigma background, uh, for those who are not familiar with Six Sigma, it's really in deeply analyzing the data and the trends and trying to make good decisions and figure out what's going wrong and all that kind of good stuff as well. I use it as a tool within my toolbox. But within that, we don't focus on an 80-20 rule because an 80-20 rule is more like a, a one sigma. So you're trying to get to more like Six Sigma if you think of one to six. And um, the more intel, the more data, the more information that you have to make an edu educated decision, and the more that you're focusing on the quality aspects within that, the better the outcome is going to be. And that's really what we're talking about here too. You know, At some point though, as a leader, regardless of whether you're in the military or the private sector, you're gonna have to go with your gut. You're gonna have to go with your gut on this you just got to make an informed decision, and I think that's what's most important. 
You know, what was the dec- yeah. what was the information behind the decision? And if you can stand behind that and go, hey, this is all the intel that I had. This is the information that I had at the moment. I felt I was making the right decision. And you can sleep well at night with that. Then, then you're good. Yeah, and that's it, Robert. That's exactly what I say. I say that almost daily. We made the best decision with the information we had available at the time. That's all you can ask for. Yep. Yeah, you can't you can't second guess yourself uh, in combat. Like you can't, and you can't go back years and second guess yourself because you know that's it's a tough way to live. You, guys are put in situations that you know you wouldn't want to be ever put in, and you got to make decisions. With the time you had, with the with the data you had on hand, and, and you go with it, and that's that's war, unfortunately. So, so Jason, send us out with a summary here, man. So, I I think it's kind of two things. One, um, you don't know what's going to be important, so gather as much detailed information as possible. That's going to help feed your decision making process. And then two. Recognize when a decision has to be made versus when you have time to develop the situation a little more and make a decision. You can't be afraid to make that call. And when you have enough information to make a decision, do it. But know the difference between when it has to be made and when it should be made. Uh, I think that's kind of like the summary of what we talked about today. Awesome. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four MIL, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran owned companies, and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way. The frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code MENTORSFORMIL or MENTORSTHENUMBER4MIL at SkeletonOptics.com and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.